Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hi, and welcome to Everything is Fine, a podcast for women over 40. We are your hosts. I'm Kim France. And I'm Jen Romolini. And it's just the two of us in this episode. And I have a question for you, Jen, which is, how is your book writing going? My God, how can you even ask that? It's so boring to talk about. (laughs) It's, I am the most fucking boring person. I'm getting into that weird shut-in time of the book writing. And like, I just hear myself talking about it and I just feel like I'm in a weird loop. Like I'm so... I feel so boring. I feel so sad. It's it's like on my mind all the time. It's like finals week all the time. I feel like I just, you know, I it's just never going to end. I'm in that part of it where I feel like it's it's never it's never going to end. I have I just reached 40,000 words this morning. Um, but wait a minute, even if you're shitting out 400 words, which we've talked about, you know, like that, the necessity of like just spewing at the beginning, that's still a fuck of a lot of words. It's 40,000. It is a fuck lot of words. I'm just sad. I'm just sad, but I'm sad about a lot of things. But anyway, the book writing is going whatever. I don't know. Like, you know, I'm, I'm starting to look at my relationship with ambition and work. And one thing that's happening is because I have to be so self-directed and there's no, you know, there's nobody coming in and saying, okay, you're going to do this by this time and this by this time. I don't know if you feel like this, but sometimes I'll just, I'll waste an hour of my life trying to decide what to do. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like, Like, I'll just be like, the sink is dirty. I should pay those bills. Oh, should I try to grab some writing time? Oh, I really need to look at blank. And it's just the hour goes. And it's not even that I'm fucking around on social media, which is certainly a thing I do. But it's just like, I'm just not, I'm telling you, it's the hormones. It's my body. I'm just a mess. I cannot keep myself directed. But I was thinking this morning about, my relationship with work and ambition, because obviously that's all I fucking think about. <laughs> I was thinking about that I need it, that I need work, that sort of the, that 
I need the fulfillment of work, the joy from work, the drive of work, the satisfaction of having work done, which is part of what this problem mm-hmm. is right now is that the work is just not, it's never, it's just an unending process of, with no satisfaction until yet, it's done yet. yet until it's done. But anyway, that's how the book's writing is going. But I'm also in that place where I'm self-isolating because you, when you're in a big creative project, you're just fucking weird. You're yeah. just weird. Everything, everything becomes like a weird magnet to your project. Like the other day I was making connections to both what we're going to talk about later, the first wives club, and also like the text on the back of like my kids' snacks. Like I was like, oh, they're both they're both relevant to my book. <laughs> <laughs> but that's good. That's a good way to think. That's like an open and examining and exploring way to think. What's wrong with that? It is, but it's just, you start to lose perspective when you're this myopic, I think. And you start to like, you know, you're just sad. So anyway, that's how the book's going. And oh God, sorry I even said that. That's okay. (laughs) Here's, here's another thing. I, I, there's a podcast my boyfriend listens to. And at the beginning of each episode, they, one of the guys gives the other guy a, a would you rather. (laughs) and their would you rathers are so good that it's really made me want to do it on our episode so i'm going to ask you this maybe we'll cut it out because it's kind of gross okay okay would you rather this is one of theirs i didn't make this up okay okay would you rather have to walk around for a year just spouting lines from austin powers and not be able to explain to anybody why you were doing it or shit out of your mouth once a day. Would I only be able to say Austin Powers things or could I also say other things? Only Austin Powers things. It's like all hey baby and stuff. I'd rather shit out my mouth. I'd rather I, have one shit out of my mouth a day. Me too. <laughs> me too. The guy on the podcast was like, maybe it tastes good. <laughs> <laughs> Before before we had a kid, my husband and I, because you know you don't before you have a kid, it's like what could it be? Who knows? It's just a magic thing that comes in the world, and you shape it, and it just wears whatever you want it to wear, whatever. <laughs> like a, it's like a personal art project, and we were like, what if we only showed this kid swingers, and they just were. <laughs> They just said swingers lines, like all their language was just swingers lines. Like the first, like, wouldn't that be so cool? Which obviously not. (laughs) Oh my God. Oh my God. You are in a good mood and you're cheering me up. I am fucking cranky, man. I'm just like old. You're cranky because you're writing a book and nobody... I mean, who is it who we had on the show who said they loved writing? Ashley Ford. And Kimberly Harrington. Two people. I don't, writing to me, unless I'm writing something that's one or two paragraphs long, like that's kind of fun. That's like a little pop song, in and out. If I've got to write anything longer, it's just dread and doom. It's never fun to write. But why? It's such a fucking privilege to be able to get paid to create something. And I keep I keep having this feeling of like, well, I am so I am so lucky. This is why am I squandering this? Why am I not feeling more gratitude that I am getting paid to be a creative person? But 
I've actually been reading a book by somebody who's coming on our podcast um, to talk about work. And she talks a lot about, and we'll talk about it then, but just so much about negative self-talk and so much about not looking at things from a perspective like that. Yeah. And it always feels kind of fake to me when I try to not negative self-talk about something I'm really feeling negative about. But I do think it's like that thing I say sometimes where you just have to put yourself on manual. Right. And what does that look like, do you think? Well, short of being born one of those people who thinks they're better than they are, it's very hard. I think it's very hard. But I do think that you're a person who walks through life with a fair amount of gratitude. And I think you are probably somebody who's grateful for the fact that she lives her life, um, that she gets to make a living doing something that's creative. Right. Right. No. And it's just, it's just writing is fucking hard, no matter how good you get at it. And you're very, very good at it. It's always hard and you cannot underestimate like the, the extent to which it's lonely, you know, like I'm always happy when someone's in the room with me, just like while I'm writing. That is true. That is true. And isolation is such a big Isolation is just such a contributor to depression. It's just, mm -hmm. it's just that, that feeling. Cause then you start losing, you start losing perspective and then you start spiraling and things become bigger than, than they, than they are in reality. And you just can't, you can't find your way in, you just can't find your way into a sense of joyfulness because you're just like in these labyrinths, you know, you're in these labyrinths. And sometimes when you're depressed and, you know, I speak just for myself, but there were times when I was depressed and I knew I was isolating, but the incredible weight of having to try to interact with other people was just too much for me. Like I remember when I was married, some people coming over to our house for dinner and me sneaking upstairs to the bedroom because I just couldn't deal with talking to people. Oh my God. Every party we've ever had, I'd leave. <laughs> I've, I don't think I've ever told anyone this. Every party, we used to have tons and tons of parties. And even pre-pandemic, we still had a bunch of parties, not the same kind, but I always leave. I always have me to too. leave the party, like either a walk around the block, sit when we lived in Brooklyn, sit on the stoop. That's why smoking was so great because smoking was that built in break. And yep. maybe you would have a smaller group outside or you'd have one person. It was much more manageable. Um, yeah. I always leave the party and I leave the party happily when it's my party. Often I leave that party happily, like knowing that the party's going well and feeling really like, Oh great. I'm so glad those people are having a good time in my house. <laughs> yes. Know? And it's a weird thing. It's like, okay, can I stop it now? Can I take the record off the, the needle off the record now? Like yes. can we all, everybody go, 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 go home. Yes. Like, go home. This was fun, but go now. Go but home. do you remember we once went, I think we've even discussed this, but maybe not on the podcast at my 40th birthday party, which was held when I was 41. Yes. I believe, and it was, it was being thrown by a friend who lived across the street from me at the time. And I believe you and I actually left the building and went across the street with someone else. We did leave the building. That house was all white and there was a black ceramic rat 
the whole house was white and black. And there was a black ceramic rat under glass, maybe? I might be making this up. <laughs> You're not. I'm sure it was a, like Ted Mewling, um, like what is that 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 material called? The support, Nuremberg porcelain. That's what it was. It was a very, very fancy fucking house. And I was like, I remember I was wearing a different colored striped, different colored metallic striped lame uh, <laughs> wrap dress. Oh my God. <laughs> that I loved so much that was vintage and it was long. And Alex, my husband, hated that dress. He was just like, I don't understand this fucking dress. And I was wearing that. And we were, I had just started at Lucky the second time. So I was on as an editor. Yeah. And it was your party. And we both, did we go get a drink across the street? No, we just went across the street to my apartment. Oh, that's right. That's right. (laughs) That's right, because you lived across the street. We just had to leave. That was it. We had to leave. I always have to leave any party that I throw. And it's been a while since I've thrown a big party. But there is always a moment when I just have to flee. But I want to talk to you about something else, which is that um, I was thinking about you this morning because I was thinking... When we get on, you know, listeners may not know that we we see each other on video when we're recording. And yeah. um, I'm like, every day when we record, Romalini's wearing something kind of bright and happy and cute. And every day when we record, I wear like probably the same button down. And I, I, I feel like I'm in a real fucking rut with my dressing. And then also one of my commenters said yesterday, where's the comment? I'm going to have to find it for you. I did a post on, um, oh, I don't know. It was on um, lightweight quilted jackets. So a bunch of like lightweight puffers. I liked that. I liked that post. I saw it and I liked it. She said, this commenter said, it would be nice to see a couple of non-boxy options for jackets. Non-boxy shirts would also be nice to see on occasion. And then nine people liked that comment. (laughs) And it's like, I can't fucking help it, guys. I'm 57 years old. I found a look. It works. I'm sticking with it. It's all I'm going to show you on this goddamn blog. And if you want to see something else, I would suggest you go elsewhere because that's I am fucking Rain Man. That's all I'm going to show you. (laughs) I mean, yeah, you're in a loop. I will tell you that I have been buying. I have found two. One is Spanish and one is Portuguese. Um, I found two new brands where I am buying a lot of bright colors from. I mean, I don't know if you're interested and I don't, I don't no, know. No, I do want to know. Of course I want to know. Um, so I think one of them is called uh, Colorful Standard is one of them. And they have like a lot of... Um, they have like a lot of like just basics, like really cute basics, like um, beanies and they have like wool, like um, long sleeve t-shirts, but they're like a lightweight wool. Cause I'm also like buying a bunch of like cold weather stuff for this upcoming trip I'm taking, um, which I don't want to be secretive about, but I kind of do want to be secretive about. Um, anyway, so I bought, I bought like a bunch of from them and then there's something called like let me see. It's called like Little Sister or something. It's not called Little Sister, but there's another brand that's actually a children's clothing brand, but they also sell adult clothes. Because they probably do matchy matchy. <laughs> yeah, they do. Do you like, remember? Yeah. Do you, do you remember Greeky? Do you remember when there was Greek Lucky? 
Yes! Oh my God. In almost every issue of Greek Lucky, they had a matching mommy and children outfits fashion story. Like it's just a huge thing some places. Um, Yes. Well, there's also this brand called Tiny Cottons, which I bought a really cute, I'm really liking um, the sort of wide weave sweaters you know it's like that it's a little bit of a thicker or or like a wider weave basically so i bought a little red cardigan from them and from colorful standard i bought um i bought four beanies but i'm probably going to return two i just want to figure out what color i want i bought a red one a yellow one a blue one and an orange one and i want to figure out which color but i do like to dress colorfully you dress colorfully and you do it really well. Like Andrea and I, actually, Andrea Lynette and I were talking about how you dress the other day. And I was, and we were talking about how like women get zany when they get older and that you like, you've really towed the line well. Like you can wear a white jumpsuit with faces painted all over it and not look zany, which is a real accomplishment. Well, speaking of commenters, somebody commented and said that I was being judgy that we were having this episode about how we were not cool, but then I was being judgy because I said that I thought that hot pink pigtails was taking it too far and that we should all just be able to wear whatever we want. And that if, if we don't care about being cool, then why would, why, I mean, in this instance, why would we care about being zany? Why, why would we care? And I do think for me, and I want to say this sort of as a blanket thing on the podcast, I don't care what anybody else does. I really could give a fuck. I really, that is one of the joys of age where I can see somebody who looks like a clown on the street and be like, great, that person looks like a clown. Mm. For me, there is a line of spectacle that I don't, that I try to set for myself and that I don't want to cross. And I push up against it, but I don't want to cross it because the way my self-presentation, what I aspire to in self-presentation is not to, to look in a way that I deem clownish. It's for me, a line. It's just a line for me and my personal style. Now let's take a quick break for some ads. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. 
Support for Everything is Fine comes from Ritual. So I love Ritual. Everyone knows I love Ritual. I talk about Ritual all the time. I particularly love its daily, their daily multivitamin. And I also really have been enjoying their melatonin. But the thing I love most about Ritual is their Hyacera. It's a once daily skin supplement that's clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. In a clinical study, Hyacera led to 3.6 times reduction in crow's feet wrinkles within 90 days as compared to a placebo. Hyacera led to 2.9 times increase in skin smoothness within 90 days as compared to a placebo. You can enhance your skincare routine from the inside out with one daily capsule, essenced with soothing vanilla. I love Hyacera. It's been rigorously tested and validated. It's one of the industry-leading sustainability. It, it meets, sorry, all of the industry-leading sustainability standards. You know I'm a beauty editor now. I am all about keeping my face plump, and Hyacera absolutely has done that for me. I've been on it for months. I don't even know how long, and I can really see a difference in the texture of my skin. My skin looks more juicy, I guess, is the best way to do it. Say it, do it. Uh, okay, so you can start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash fine. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription to get today. That's ritual.com slash fine for 25% off. And we're back. Here's the thing. The way the world absorbs you as you get older is so complicated. Like, what is it? Grace and Frankie? Is that this show? This show Grace With and- Lily Tomlin yeah, yeah, yeah. and Fonda. Yeah. And they, they, they realize that they're invisible. So they buy, they steal a pack of cigarettes. Yes, I saw that episode. I, I have not seen much of that show, but I did see that episode. They were like, well, nobody's looking at us anyway. Let's just fucking steal these cigarettes. <laughs> no, that was hilarious. And you start to, it starts, it starts to change or even like somebody will be talking to like a younger man at like the Apple store and you'll see him treat you like with respect, like you're a mom in a way that you're not having like a normal conversation with him. He's treating you cordially because you're He's a lady. Because you you're an elder too. You're an elder, ma'am. Ma'am, here you are. You're getting treated with extra respect. (laughs) Oh my God. I get so happy on the rare occasions I am called miss anymore. I know, but so many times it's, it's like actually condescending. It's actually like, like they're like doing it as a bit and you're like, oh, fuck off. (laughs) I don't don't need your bit. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I remember once reading something about the country of France and how in the country of France, everybody moves through the world as though they are somebody's sex object. And like yes. even the even the old couples, everybody, the teenagers. And I thought a lot about that because I thought, you know, does it really matter if the world doesn't see me? I mean, we've talked about this. If I've yes. got somebody who sees me, you know? Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't really matter. It's just a shift. It's just a shift. And you know what I really think? So I'm closer to 49 than I am to 48 at this point. And I really think that your 40s are unbelievably transformative in terms of aging. Like 
I don't feel like when I was 30 to 40, I looked that much different. I feel like I kind of looked around the same for about 15 years, you know, maybe a couple more wrinkles, maybe whatever, but not the difference between what you look like, what you feel like, how the world perceives you, everything at 40 versus what I imagine is going to happen in about less than a year and a half. It's a, it's a huge divide. And I don't know if that's the same in your fifties, if the way you start out at 50 is very different than 60, but the forties, I mean, and even the way women talk about themselves who are 42 versus the way women talk about themselves in their late forties, it's just, you're in a whole different land, like post 45 than you were 40 to 45. I'm trying to decide if I, if if like, I think the only thing that I disagree with is the ages. Maybe, and maybe I'm wrong. I just feel totally different in nine, in nine years, nine years. I feel completely the most different than I've ever felt. And I would even, I would even narrow it down more. I would say from about 43 to now the last six, five, six years, I feel like a totally different person. Hmm. I think the change for me, I mean, I think there were two changes. The first change was when I was in my early forties and I had was recently divorced and suddenly everybody I knew who didn't have kids had kids. Everybody I knew who wasn't married was married. And I was like, oh, wow, I'm in a totally different place and I'm totally out of step with all my peers. And that's it. But I looked pretty much the same. I looked pretty young. And then in recent years, the change that's come about as a result of my physical appearance um, has been, has been tougher to tougher and realer, I think. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's just, I don't know. I, I, I just want to have some acceptance and I think I actually have done a decent job of having some acceptance and realizing that, you know, when I was young and beautiful, you know, I, I wish I had enjoyed it more. I wish I had, I wish I had owned it more. I wish I had been sexier. I wish I would have been more comfortable with my sexuality in those years, but I am now, you know? Yeah. And, and so I, I'm, I'm grateful for that. And if, if like 25 year old me didn't know how to own what I had, then that's just pretty par for the course for a 25 year old. Yeah, totally. And I don't, I want to be clear that I'm not interested in going back. I'm not interested in going back. I just feel very ill-defined right now. I don't really know who I am at this age yet. I haven't settled into midlife yet. It's just really in the last, you know, six months to a year that I, it started to really be like, oh, okay, this is really different. This feels, I feel different, right? Well, because midlife chooses you, right? What do you mean by that? Tell me more. Like, you know, your body starts to change, your looks start to change, all sorts of shit you're not in control of starts to happen to you. It chooses you. So all you can do is, is come back at it with something that's graceful or self-loving or replenishing. Totally. And it's interesting because, um, one thing that's one thing that's in parallel with puberty that I can see in menopause, because 
you know, you know, Charlotte and I are basically there in puberty and I'm, I'm here. And the other day we were talking about Halloween and we were talking about Christmas and we were talking about holidays. And I don't know if I've said this on the podcast. I don't think I have yet. Um, Charlotte said, I don't feel as excited as I used to feel about the things I used to feel excited about. And I feel sad. And and they said, I feel sad about this. I, I feel really sad. And I said, it's okay to feel sad and whatever you do that. But that is a very real thing that I am also going through. I don't feel as excited about the things that I used to feel excited about. And like Charlotte, who soon will be excited about being in love and music and all the things that you're excited about when you're a teenager, right? They're not there yet. There's 11 and they're not in that, you know, next stage of life. I similarly feel, I don't know yet who I am going to be as a middle-aged woman. I don't know what's going to excite me yet. I don't know what I'm really interested in yet. I know what I'm not interested in, what's not delighting me in the same way, you know? going out and getting drunk, no fucking desire used to be a great thing. Like, Oh, let's, you know, even when it was like moms are going wild, it was like (laughs) fun. I don't care anymore because even in the drunk, I can feel myself. Oh, I I just said something that I didn't really mean, you know, like I don't want to be that anymore. So I don't know what the next thing is, or is there no next thing? I mean, that's what Charlotte's grappling with. Is there no next thing? I know there's something for, for them. Well, there's always something next, right? There's always something next. And, and the thought of that has, is the thing that has gotten me like close to out of some of my worst depressions and other difficult situations, just knowing that a whole shitload of things comes next. And don't you feel like you're just going to, you're just going to kind of become who you are. Yeah, I am. And that's, but I just have to like, I just have to like get through this like mucky, muddy middle, you know, I just have to like get through this. But what What, if it's all just mucky and muddy now? No, I know. I know. Okay. That's the thing. Is it that I just need to accept that everything is mucky and muddy now? And this is just, this is it. This is just the march till the end. And there might be some delightful moments like, oh, you see it. You see a butterfly. (laughs) Oh my God. You have to stop now because I know you, you are a liker of fun. You are a liker of experiences. And this whole idea that that, like, is that all there is? is just utter bullshit. You think it's utter bullshit because what is fun? What's fun? what is fun? What's fun? Well, Tell me what's fun. Um, right now, like yesterday, I walked the dog to the park. That was fun. Okay. All right. I, I think sex is reliably fun. Okay. Fair enough. Um, I like cooking. I like. I love driving and listening to music. That makes me really happy. None of these are like, you know, life altering. They just are the things that like I still think are fun. But I do remember being in my mid forties and you remember the sports car I had that Audi convertible yes, yes. when I was the editor of lucky. And I remembered I used to drive around in that car really fast and listen to music and fantasize about like the life I wanted to be living. Right. And I realized at a certain point, like this is lame. This is really lame driving around, listening to this music, fantasizing about like, you know, life as you want it to be. This isn't what somebody this age does. Somebody this age like takes a look around and acknowledges the life they have. 
And I thought that was a very important realization, but because I'm a Pisces, Pisces are always fantasizing. Right. But um, also it was really hard for me. It was one of the few times that I really felt like, oh, in the gut, I'm old. Yes. You know, and now I see that I was young. I was like 41, 42, 43, you know? I don't know. No, I know. I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. And that's, that's why it's like, well, that's, it's part of the isolation, part of the lack of perspective. And I can see like that is veering toward like ridiculous and maudlin, (laughs) but like, I don't know. I'm just hoping, I'm hoping that like, you know, I'm hitting like the bottom of the U curve that middle-aged U-curve and I'm like getting to the bottom of it, whatever this is, or I'm getting somewhere, but God forbid, I don't want anything worse. I don't want anything bad, actually bad to happen. This is just all my psyche. Um, and there's no like actual like emergencies, thank God, or any, you know, tragedies. But I, I'm hoping that just sort of generally in life and the way I feel about getting older and everything that I've sort of hit this, this, this place. And now it's sort of, it goes in another place. It goes in another place. Cause I think accepting that like, Oh, I'm never going to be the thing I used to be. I don't feel like I used to, I used to feel, I don't even like a lot of the same people I used to like, like that also starts to happen. Well, that's a whole thing. And like, you know, I have friends who are close friends of mine, but who I know I would not be friends with if I met today, but they're really important to me. And I think that even if somebody isn't like you anymore, even if somebody doesn't share what they used to share with you, what you do share is history. And that's really important. Yeah. But, no. um, but yeah, I agree with you. Like there are things about like, okay, so, huh, this is my friend group. Okay. You know, and that's a super hard thing to change when you're in your forties or fifties, not impossible, but super hard. Yeah. Yeah. Or just like the friendship is just like, just like nothing's hitting the same way, you know? Well, because friendships are more passionate when you're young. Yeah. Although, although I, I, I'm thinking now of my mom's two very close friends, Anne and Gay. Mm -hmm. Gay's grandson about 15 or 20 years ago died in a boating accident. Mm -hmm. He was about seven years old. Mm. And we all went up to the funeral, which was upstate. And as the baby child, not a baby, as the seven-year-old was being like lowered into the grave, Mm -hmm. Anne and my mom and Gay were all just holding each other and wailing. And I thought like that, I hope I have that one. I mean, I hope something horrible like this doesn't happen, but... But it was the most beautiful portrait of like these older women who were just 1000% there for each other and had been for a long time. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And, and, and I, I'm not complaining about my friends. I have incredible friends. Part of this is about how I'm showing up. And part of this is just perspective. And I don't want to goddamn listen to this episode and be like, God, you're such a whiny pain in the ass. But there, there you know, there are some real things that I think come up in this, in this age that we're starting to talk about more, but even the framing of the way we talk about them is like, you know, you're a warrior, you're a this, you know, you're a, you're a badass. I don't feel like a fucking badass. I feel kind of fragile and like unwieldy. 
Like, what is this amorphous? What am I? You know, (laughs) I totally get that. Like, I feel like, and this may sound kind of obnoxious to say, but I feel like people will think like, oh, Kim France, she did sassy. I mean, she was at sassy. She did lucky. Like, she's a badass. Right. Right. But that, no, I'm like, I'm all over the fucking place. I'm all over the fucking place. And maybe part of what I am is... But, but, you know, it, it coexists in a, like a, in a terrarium with many other qualities. No, I think that the bottom line of all this is that also there's like a narcissism that's happening. That's a necessary narcissism when you write a memoir, which is just disgusting. And I'm just like, I just want to get through this to the other side so I can stop being so in my head, because I think this is actually at this stage of life is kind of a dangerous place to be. I agree. And one of my my smartest friends at a period when I was feeling like you were now was like, you have to fucking knit. You have to knit or you have to run or you have to just do something that takes you out of your head, but you that you find satisfying. Did you knit? I didn't knit. No. <laughs> I, I mean, there is right down the street from me. There's a really cool ceramic studio that when I moved in, I thought, oh, I will take classes at that ceramic studio. This is exactly what Margaret was talking about all those years ago. But right. I haven't done that yet. Um, I have. If I were there, I would take it with you because I have dreams of making um, misshapen ceramics. I really do have like fantasies of what I mean. There's just the, I know I'm not going to be Seth Rogen. I know I'm just going to make the. <laughs> it's, it's just a matter of time before one of us brought up Seth Rogen, <laughs> who got hot. He got hot, but even before he was hot, I had a bit of a crush on him. Yeah. Yeah. He seems like he would be like a really, really like generous boyfriend, husband, just like nice, funny, easygoing, just an easy person to know, but now is also additionally hot. And he's additionally hot. Yes. He just, no, Seth Rogen is, I like Seth Rogen. Surprises me. Surprising crushes. Um. Have you thought about, um, we are going to do this thing called midlife movie fail was going to be a new segment of the show. No, I think it should be a new, I think we should do it as a Patreon. Okay. Okay. Then we will, we will do it as a Patreon. We're going to start doing a new Patreon feature called midlife movie fail, where we go (laughs) back and we watch old movies or new movies that are misrepresenting what it is to be middle-aged. I had a couple, um, what were they living out loud? Was that the one? It's um, clearly, the Tus- I was going to yeah. do the Tuscan sun was the yours. Sun. <laughs> um, uh, death becomes her first. Oh, wait, what was the one? What was the one Meryl Streep plays? It's based on a Faye Weldon book. Death, not death becomes her. Oh, fuck. This is going to, we'll put it in the show notes. We'll put it in the show notes. But yes. And if you want listeners, you can, we'll, we'll pick one a month and listeners, you can watch along with us. And then we're going to do a wrap up of them on our Patreon. Um, Because really the fucking thing is maudlin or not narcissistic or not. No one really prepped me for this appropriately. I don't feel like any of these <laughs> any of these shitty movies told me like, yeah, perimenopause is going to make you more depressed than you've ever been in your life. No. Didn't know. No, no, no. And at the same time, the, I mean, I'm thinking about First Wives Club, which will be our first movie. Yes. And how, I mean, I know I'm ruining it by talking about it right now, but like Stalker Channing, who is radiant at the beginning of the movie, kills herself because she's 45. Yeah. And single. 
She kills herself because she's 45 and single. I mean, who? that's what we are. Oh, the whole movie is, wait, we can't preview this, but the whole movie is just like, oh, I'm 47. The world yes. doesn't want me anymore. Like the whole fucking movie. Uh, it's a, it's no, a whole thing. It's, it's it, it's crazy. It's crazy. I will say one more thing, and then we will we will de- devote an episode to this because I have lots to say. But I have not felt style inspiration in a long time as much as I felt from Goldie Hawn in First Wife Club. <laughs> That's awesome. I was like, I want everything. I want everything <laughs> she's wearing. She's pulling off like sexy. Every she's. Remember we talked about what is sexy as you get older. I'm like, that's it right there. Sexy, yeah. sexy eighties or whatever that movie came out late, early nineties. That's interesting. That's interesting. I need a new, I, I do think a lot about like how one successfully dresses sexy now. It's hard. It's hard to figure. It's hard to figure out because it's like, I don't want tits out. I don't, I'm not, not, it's not cleavage. Is it cleavage? I think that like tasteful cleavage, but if you do cleavage, you can't do everything else. You can't be like Blake Lively, who's like cleavage, legs, hips, like ev- she accentuates well, every single thing. If I had Blake Lively's body, I mean, I don't. I, mean, I know, I know. I, I know, mean, I know, Blake I Lively, good for her, man. Show it all off. No, I don't know if it's cleavage. I, well, I've never been a cleavage person. I know mm-hmm. there are cleavage people and I I love them. I'm so happy for them and their cleavage, but it's I never been stop- me. I can't stop staring at people's tits when they're cleavage people. Like I cannot stop looking at it. And I think it's because so few people do it anymore. Like it used to be a thing and now it's not as much of a thing, but I I met a friend of Paul's and I was like, I'm just going to stare at your tits the whole time. I mean, look, if you, if someone's doing a really nice pillowy breast cleavage, there's like nothing, (laughs) there's nothing like it. My God, you're right. People don't do cleavage anymore. Just like people Remember when buns were a thing, like hot, like men's buns? Do you remember this in the eighties? Like it was like you don't remember this. I've made this buns up. like like asses, like, like asses, asses, like buns, like a bu- I feel like we said the word buns, like hot buns. We I did. Feel like that we was- did. I don't feel like we're looking at buns like that we used to. I don't feel like it's. it's <laughs> I want you to stop saying the word buns. So Oh my God. No, I feel like British people still do cleavage. Maybe. I feel like I see British women with like a a rack. I feel like Dame Helen Mirren often does cleavage. Yes. And Tina Brown, she used to do some cleavage, I believe. Did she? Maybe I'm wrong. You worked for her, so you wouldn't know. I did work for her. Um, She used to let papers fall behind her when she walked. She was so scatterbrained. It was really strange working for her. It was very, it was, that was a very unique experience because also Harvey Weinstein would come in just as the animal that he was. And he would just have crumbs all over his sweatshirt. He would be eating with just like crumbs puddled at his chest. I've heard, I, 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 I was friendly with someone who was a producer when Miramax existed. And she told me stories about Bob and um, Her- Harvey. 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 She told me stories about Bob and Harvey that involved like them carrying food around in their pockets. Yeah. He, he, I, I worked for talk, which was like this very strange, like vanity project. It was, it was the strangest place to work. It was because I was a fact checker there and 
everything had to be sexy. We have to make this sexy. Everything has to be politics are sexy. Everything's sexy. I don't know if I've ever said this, but we, I was fact checking a story on Dan Rather and it was like really late and it was closing really late. And like the editor had added a bunch of things in. And I was like, these aren't true things about Dan Rather. <laughs> and the editor was like, well, we have to make him sexy. And I'm like, you're not making this fucking 80 year old sexy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I remember hearing, and then we probably shouldn't shit talk her anymore, yeah. but I remember hearing that Tina Brown used to require her editors to turn in a short, medium length, and lengthy length of any article so she could decide which version she wanted to publish. I I think that's probably true. I think Tina Brown is a was and is an editorial genius. I think that she was really, really smart about what was in the zeitgeist and just picking it up, right? And just like sniffing it out. I think that she was also of a time when you were allowed to be monstrous. Yeah. I once heard a story about her from a driver um, that was very poignant. He because I, I found some papers in the back seat of the car and I could tell they were Tina Brown's um, notes um, from her publicist or whoever before she gave a TV interview. Mm, okay. Yeah. Like her and it was all like highly confidential shit that mm -hmm. you wouldn't want out. And I gave it to the driver and I said, so do you drive her off? And he said, yes, I drive her every once in a while. Every time I drive her, she's in the back seat crying. Oh God. God. I know that made me feel differently about her. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it does still no excuse to treat people like shit, mm -mm, but mm -mm. still no excuse to treat people like shit. That's just what we're learning more and more. Um, yeah. Someone was defending some monster boss, some like Gen X woman was defending a monster boss and she was defending them with like a book about ambition that came out in 2003 and I, I was going to like tweet at this person and be like, no, it's still not okay to treat people poorly, even if it was harder genius, for us to be, yeah. even if it was, you're a genius, even if it was harder for us to lead, even if it was, there were fewer of us in leadership positions and we were mimicking what we saw alpha men doing as leaders, it's still not okay. And also this book is dated and we all need to get into the modern times if we want to be in modern times workplaces. Yep. But then I was like, fuck it. And then I just subtweeted. <laughs> <laughs> then I just sent a shitty subtweet, which got a lot of likes. So <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know what? You didn't know what we were going to talk about, but I think we made a good episode. I hope so. I'm really sorry to listeners for being such a whiny pain in the ass. It's just where I'm at right now, but I'm at least I'm aware of it. I'm aware of it. <laughs> You're, you're, you're a very self-aware, whiny, whiny pain in the ass in a way that many of us are whiny pain in the asses. I'm a whiny pain in the ass. Yeah. Yeah. But you're, but you're highly, highly lovable. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. That's the thing. That's, that's the thing. That means a lot to me. Thank you for saying that. Thank you for doing this podcast with me every week. And thank you for listening to Everything is Fine. <laughs> wow. We are your hosts. I'm Jen Romolini. And I'm Kim France. If you like the show, rate and review it on the platforms. It really makes a difference. If you don't like it, you know, you could keep those words to yourself. <laughs> um, if you want to email us, our email is 
Everything is fine. The podcast at gmail.com. We're on Instagram at EIF podcast. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook and you can find Kim on her blog, girls of a certain age.com. And last, if you want to join our Patreon, we are patreon.com backslash everything is fine. And you will find more of this on there. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.